Amen, amen. Thank you so much, worship team, at all of our locations. We want to welcome all of our campuses with us today. Come on, can we get for all of our campuses with us that are worshiping? If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We finish up the series on the Holy Spirit. I'm glad you came back this Sunday. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun series. It's been one of my favorite series just to walk through as we talked about how the Holy Spirit saves us, how the Holy Spirit, once we are saved, he seals us, guaranteeing our inheritance. That was amazing. We talked about that. If you ever thought about can you lose your salvation, if you want to go back and watch that, if that intrigues you, we'd love for you to go and, and, and check that out online. We talked about being baptized in the Spirit. And what does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And uh, if that's something that you may have been raised up or heard that word or terminology and you want us to expound on it, what we believe here at Better Life Church, we'd love for you to check that out as well. And then we talked about last week the gifts of the Spirit. And every, every one of you, when you gave your life to Jesus, he threw you a birthday party and he gave you a gift. Most people don't know what their spiritual gift is. And so we looked at a few of the gifts last week. There's all kinds. You can like Google the list of the spiritual gifts. I don't know if that's an exhausted list, but it's some that the Bible mentions. And every one of you have a gift, watch this, to build the body up. God didn't give you a gift for you. He gave you a gift that you would use it to build up his body. And today we're gonna talk about a big one. Now, now that I've got the Holy Spirit within me, and this was one of the questions I led with when we, we kicked off this series, is that if God is in me, and God lives inside of me, then why do I still blow it? <laughs> why do I still feel messed up? Why do I still make mistakes? Well, God also gave you a choice. He gave you a free will. You're not a robot. He didn't make you a robot. He gave you a free will that you would learn to depend upon him, that you would lean upon him to help us through this world. And so when we lean on the Holy Spirit, we depend on the Holy Spirit, we talked about being filled with the Spirit, that we would watch this, we would walk in the Spirit. There's evidence that when you are walking in the Spirit, we can look through the Scripture and it says, here's evidence in your life when you are walking in the Spirit, and here's times that you're not walking in the Spirit. So we can look at the fruit that we bear and be able to look at the fruit and go, man, I'm producing spiritual fruit, or am I producing, you know, the old flesh fruit? And so we can walk through that and look at it today. But today I'm going to talk about Ephesians chapter 40, sorry, chapter 4, verse 30, this verse and it says, and it's, it's a pretty fascinating verse, and it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And today I wanna spend the next few moments on what does it mean not to grieve the Holy Spirit who lives within us? Now there's some pretty fascinating things about this. One, it says do not grieve, which means to sadden, to bring sorrow upon them or to upon a person. It also wants us to note that the Holy Spirit is a person. Only a person is gonna be sorrowful. So we talked about there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this person of the Holy Spirit lives within you, who guides you, convicts you, directs you, illuminates truth to you, lets you know that's not right, that's, that's wrong, when to repent, when to pull you near, when to help you make decisions in your life. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us, and he's in you, and we can grieve him. And so I don't believe any of us today would raise your hand you would say, I, my goal is to grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that is not. There are several things. We can quench the Holy Spirit. 
You could blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, which we talked about when people talk about the impartable sin and things like that. But as a believer, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And how do I not grieve him who lives within me? But I love this. If we could put the verse back up just for a moment. Look what it says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom, watch this, look at this, you were sealed. I love this. You were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, we talked about that same word seal is the same word where God the Father said, I've put my seal upon my son. That same seal that's been on Jesus has been put on you. And he wants us to know, yet you may make the Holy Spirit sorrow. You may grieve the Holy Spirit by how you live. But I want you to know this. He has sealed you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not abandon you. And you were sealed for the day of redemption that when Christ Jesus comes back, you know what he's gonna be looking for? Who has been marked by my spirit? Who has been marked by my son? Who's been marked by me? And because that's a deposit, a guarantee in Ephesians 1, a deposit within me guaranteeing my inheritance. So when Jesus comes back, he's gonna pick the ones who have been marked by the spirit who is in us. So yeah, you may grieve the Holy Spirit, but guess what, the Holy Spirit's never gonna leave you because we blow it. We all blow it. You blew it this morning on the way to church. Don't raise your hand, we know who you are. Like we blow it, right? We blow it. So the Holy Spirit don't leave us, but we grieve him. So how do we, don't, how do we not grieve the Holy Spirit? So to put all this in context, starting in, in, in verse 30, we gotta go back up to, to verse one. So in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, let's put this passage in context, work our way down to verse 30, and then we'll get out of here and eat some good Chinese. Can I get an amen? All right, here we go. Verse one. I therefore, this is the apostle Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, he's in shackles and jail and prison as he writes this to the church. He's not in prison because he did bad things. He's in prison because he's preaching Jesus, which was against the law. Therefore, the prisoner for the Lord urge you to live a life worthily of the calling which you have been called. Now, here's what we understand according to this passage. Paul says, listen, you should live a life worthy of the calling. So we know that grieving the Holy Spirit has something to do with my lifestyle, how I live, how we ought to live. Live a life worthy, watches of the calling. I love this word calling. It's the word kaleo, which means this, a personal invitation by name. A personal invitation by name, which means this, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have been personally called into the family by name. As God walked by and said, Daniel, come. We see this through the scripture. Remember, he goes to Matthew, the tax collector, come. Peter, hey, won't you come? Come and follow me. It's a personal invitation. Now watch this. Since you have been personally invited by the Son of God to follow him, walk, live a life that's worthy of that because you have been called by God. I could do a whole sermon on that, but for time's sake, and I gotta make up and get you out early this week because we went way over last week. Some of you laugh because you remember that. Okay, verse two. You've been called, watch this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. I love this. This is so good. Look what it says. Putting up with one another in love. He knew we weren't gonna get along, right? He knew that we were not gonna Here's what it says. Y'all just need to put up with each other in love. Is that not hilarious? Y'all think the Bible's not funny. That is hilarious, man. Like the Apostle Paul's like, I know y'all ain't gonna get along. You're gonna argue what color you're gonna put the carpet and whether we should have drums on stage and a pastor wear jeans, all stuff. Listen, come on, put up with one another, but do it in love. 
Is that not a beautiful picture of a church? Putting up with one another in love. Making every effort to keep the unity. Remember what we said last week? The devil's not afraid of a big church. He's afraid of a united church. You do everything you can to protect the unity of the church. Do everything you can, which means sometimes we have to lay aside, watch this, our preferences to keep the unity of the church, to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's Jesus came, he died, he got up out of the grave, and he sent it to the Father. So we gotta keep the main thing. So we should watch us fight for unity, not disagree and spat over little stuff that's meaningless, that has nothing to do with salvation, has nothing to do with life change, has everything to do with your preferences. Fight for the unity of the church if you're gonna fight. So he says, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, which means there's one church. There's not Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostals, Charismatic, watch this, no, no. There's only one body, there's one big C church who has one spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as you two were kaleo, invitation by name to follow Jesus into one hope of your calling, which there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Do you not see the beautiful picture of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? If you understand about the Trinity, you could talk about, check that out on week one. And so the context is, listen, we gotta fight for the unity, live this life worthy of your calling. Now, verse seven through 16, as we looked at a little bit last week, where he gave gifts. And so the Holy Spirit gives a gift. I'm not the gift giver. I can't give you a gift. I can't impart a gift to you. I can't give you gifts. It's the Holy Spirit who goes, you know what? I'm gonna give you a gift. I'm gonna give you a gift. And you know what happens is sometimes we get jealous of other people's gifts. Well, I wish I could sing like her. I wish I had knowledge like them. I wish I could preach like that. And so also like we wish we had somebody else's gift. The Holy Spirit gives you the gift according to how he wants to use you and impact your life. So verse seven through 16 talks about how God gives gifts to mature the believer and then grow the body of Christ. Now, skip down to verse 17. So, live a life worthy of your calling. Fight for unity and peace. God's given the church gifts. So, I say this, and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as Gentiles do. Now, let me break this down. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So if you don't have Jewish roots in you, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. This is first century, go back 2,000 years. Everyone who was not a Jew was considered a Gentile. The Gentiles were pagans, they ran after the things of this world. So he's, he's contrasting here that the Gentile here is someone who does not know Christ. Someone who hasn't been understanding of the Messiah and who he is. Someone who has rejected Jesus. So. With that, look what he says. Don't live as the Gentiles. What do you mean? Someone who doesn't believe in Christ. Because, here's why. In their futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding. They're being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of the heart. Have you ever, have you ever thought like in someone's heart who has rebelled against God or not following God or anti-God or say they're an atheist and they reject the things of God. Listen, this is a picture, Paul writes, what's going on inside of them. One, the futility of their thinking. Their thinking is purposeless, it's folly, it's empty, has no meaning. It says the darkness of their mind, which means that they have been blinded by the little g God of this world who is Satan. And the little g God of this world has blinded the mind of this 
far Gentile or this person is not saved. That's why when you're praying for someone to be saved, what you begin to pray is, God, would you open the eyes to their mind? Would you remove the scales so they could see the truth? God, would you remove the little G God who has them blinded to the truth? Because they're blinded, because the darkness of their mind. They've been excluded from the life of God. Isn't that not amazing? Think of it. They have been excluded from the life that you have. Filled with the Spirit, sealed with the Spirit, saved with the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, peace of the Spirit. They're an outcast. And you know what's so funny about this? Not really funny, it's actually heartbreaking. Is that those who have been included in the family of God exclude other people and try not to reach them. When you sit here and understand that they're darkened in their mind, they're hardened in their hearts, they're far from God, they're gonna to go to hell, but you have been included in the family, like, well, somebody else would just have to talk to them about Jesus. So the ones of us who have been included should go after everyone who has been excluded and share with them Jesus. They've been excluded from the true life, the better life, the life that you know that's in Jesus. Why? Because they're ignorant. They're not a bad person. They're ignorant. They're ignorant of the truth. Look what it says. And because it has hardened their hearts, of the hardness of the heart, therefore they're ignorant. The heart is hard to the things of God. They don't hear it. So when they come and you cast the seed and you throw the seed of the word of God out, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It falls on the soul and the heart is the soul and the heart's hardened. And therefore the seed don't take root. So they're far from God, they've been excluded. Verse 19, because they are callous. They have been given or they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. It says they're callous, which means they're dead to their feeling. They feel no shame. Like we live in a side today, no one blushes anymore. There's no blushing anymore, there's no more, there's no more like, Everything's indecent, everything's exposed, everything is out, everything. Like, you can't even watch commercials on kids' channels. And you're like, dear God, what has happened to our world? So we just get rid of it and say, I'm sorry, honey, we're not letting you watch it. She's like, why, Daddy, I'm seven years old, I'm watching because you don't understand how corrupt and decent, perverted. And little by little, we let that stuff creep into our heart and mind. Now we're used to it, and now we laugh at that stuff. The world is given over to callous. They have no shame. Their heart's hard. It's been, they have no feelings. There's no shame. They don't blush anymore. They've given themselves to indecency and practice of every kind of impurity. Indecency means they've threw off all sexual restraint. Doesn't matter. We're starting kindergarten teaching our kids this stuff. There's no, there's like through all the restraint. I mean, just, just walking through this verse and turning on the TV like, yep, that's our country. And no one seems to care, no one seems to blush, no one seems, because their hearts are callous to this impurity, this immoral and greediness with all, why selfish ambition? It's all for money, why? Because sex sells. Greedy, selfish ambitions. Oh, I'm gonna change, indoctrinate, push my agenda. 
the New Lemon translation says it like this, they have, no, they have no sense of shame, they live lustful pleasure and eagerly to practice every kind of impurity. And the crazy thing is, we laugh at that stuff. Because it's funny. But Paul says in verse 20, look, but you, but you, you, the ones who've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, who's been saved, who's given their life to Jesus, but you, you didn't learn about this stuff about Christ. Like, you did not learn about Christ like this in this way. If indeed you heard about him, you were taught him just as the truth is in Jesus. You were taught with reference from your former way of life, watch this, to lay it aside, to lay off the old man who's being corrupted in accordance with the deceitful desires, but to be renewed in your mind, because why? You only feel what you believe, you only act out on your feelings. This is a picture of repentance. So be renewed in your mind so you can be transformed. I changed my mind, it changed my heart, it changed my actions. So you've been renewed in the spirit of your mind and watch this, you've now put on the new man, the new woman, the new self who has been created in Christ or God's image and righteousness and holiness that comes from the truth. He says this, if you're in Christ, you know better than this. If you're in Christ, you know better to act this way. So what you gotta go do and remind yourself because you're renewed daily by the transferring mind, you gotta take off the old. You gotta put back on the new. It's a choice, it's a picture of putting on garments. Lay, off, lay aside the old you. Remember how you were before you gave your life to Jesus? The old you, come on, you're not that person anymore and I put back on the new you who walks in the spirit, filled with the spirit, been baptized in the spirit, has gifts of the spirit to be used by God. Put on the new you. It's a choice here. So when your selfish desires and the flesh starts to pull you back, you start to pull back at that junk and you don't blush anymore, you don't feel shame anymore, come on, come on, come on. Take off the old and put back on the new. You're better than this. You know better. You wasn't taught this way. Turn your mind back to Christ. Renew it with him. Walk in his truth. And when you walk in his truth, it will produce righteousness and holiness in your life. Verse 25. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore, you ask, why is it therefore? Now watch this out. Therefore, that you've been called by God to live this holy life. You're not like the Gentiles, that you were darkened in your mind. You were once excluded from God. You were once far off. You were once the enemy, and you were once hell bound. Don't fall back into this pattern of the world. Lay aside your old Daniel. Put on the new. You remember you got saved. Put back on the new. Renew your mind. Therefore, y'all ready for the sermon? That was just all the background. Therefore, lay aside falsehood. Each of you speak the truth with his neighbor because we are members of one another. We're one body. What's he saying? Lay aside falsehood. He says, stop lying. Quit lying. That's what falsehood means. Quit telling lies and watch this. Just speak the truth. Just tell the truth. He's not saying this context, like grab a Bible verse and throw it and throw truth at people. No, in the context, he's saying, listen, quit lying to each other and just tell the truth. Quit trying to manipulate one another. Just tell the truth. Just quit trying to be deceitful and trying to work your way around something and purposely mislead people in the body. Just tell the truth. If you have to tell the truth, you have to worry about what you say. Just tell the truth. Just speak the truth. And he quotes Zechariah 8, 16 here. 
when he writes this, Paul does. So speak the truth, lay aside lying, quit lying, and just tell the truth. Because if you lie, you've got to tell another lie to cover that lie and tell another lie to another lie, and you all know that. You've all been around the block. Listen, just stop lying and tell the truth. The falsehood is the old person. Tell the truth because you're new. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. That one's tough. Anybody got that one down, Pat? If you do, write a book on it. How do you, how do you, how do you stay angry, but how can you be angry but not sin? And you've heard this before, right? Don't let the sun go down to cause you anger. And you've heard married couples a lot of times say, listen, I, if we get to a fight, we don't go to bed mad and we stay up all night until we, I don't know if that's what he means in that verse. <laughs> that's good, married couples. Y'all gonna be up for a long time, some of you. I don't think that's what he's, that's not the context per se. He's talking about a righteous anger. Like of injustice. Something anti-God is going on and you're upset about it and there's a righteous anger. And literally, he quotes Psalms 4-4 here, who says, don't tremble with fear, don't tremble with anger, and set, when you accept, when you lay your head down at night, meditate on it before you go to sleep. Work out your righteous anger that you're mad about. The injustice that you see happen. But don't go to bed angry about that. Trust God is gonna provide and take care. So don't tremble in bed at night with fear and anger of this injustice that's taking place. Meditate on it before you go to bed and go, okay, I'm mad. I'm not saying I'm mad at you because you threw spaghetti at me or something. I'm not talking about that kind of anger and mad at you or, or you called me a name and I'm mad at you. That anger. There's a righteous anger. And you're mad about it. And it bothers you. Whoa, whoa, calm down, boy. Calm down, big boy, calm down. Meditate on that and trust God. So what angers you that goes on the world that's anti-God? And probably some of it's your politics. There's some things that seems injustice and you're mad about it and you get mad about it and you get upset. Wait, wait, wait. How do you go to bed at night going, but I'm gonna trust God? That's righteous anger. Because look what he says. Look what he says next. If you don't, verse 27, you will give the devil an opportunity to whoop you. You'll give him a foothold that will become a stronghold in your mind. So what is he saying? Even righteous anger unguarded will turn to sin because now you're gonna do something about it that once was a righteous moment, stand up for God, stand up for this, stand up for life, but now you're so angry about it, it's turning to your sinful action. Well, well, be careful, because it will give the devil an opportunity to sin. So that's the context of sin. So don't be angry, right? Don't tell lies, don't be angry. Verse 28, don't steal. The one who steal must steal no longer. Instead, he must labor doing good with his own hands so that he'll have something to share with others who are in need. Do you, do you see that? He said, so what happens is people are stealing stuff back and forth, left and right, people steal, and they still steal stuff today. People steal, just go. He said, listen, get a job, man. Get a job. I don't know if any of you follow the stock market or anything like that or watch your 401k turn into a 201k. If you're not careful, it's gonna be a box of special K. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, <laughs> right? But this week, Target 
on their conference call was talking about how they missed earnings and Walmart hit their earnings. I'm gonna lose half of you right here. Just hang tight with me. So Walmart met earnings, which means they were profitable. Target was not profitable. So I was like, how could that be? I love Target, right? It's because at Walmart sells 80% of groceries. Target's only 55% of groceries. So there's a difference. People are grocery shopping. Anyway, long story short, I love this stuff. I leave up with this stuff. Target on their conference call, so when they give their earnings, how they meet, the CEO and the CFO gets on the phone and any investor can pick up the phone and listen to the conference call. And they talk about why they missed their earnings twice on the conference call. You know what they said? We cannot keep down theft. There's an overarching move of people stealing. And because they are stealing so much for us, even in the best security we have, we're missing our profits. So when things seem to be good and life's good and we live in it, people are stealing now. Almost like never before. Paul's like, get a job, bro. Quit stealing. Get a job and work. Now watch what it says. Look what it says here. Go back, put the verse back up. So that, why do you want me to get a job? <laughs> so that you have something to share with those who have something to need. See, God don't bless you just to bless you. He blesses you to bless other people. That's like around Christmas time, right? Like when we get talking about the gifts of hope and the things we wanna do, we wanna help, we wanna bless people, right? We wanna be a blessing. That's why nonprofit organizations come out in November and say start giving because they know this is the season that people give. And most of their budgets are made in the next two months. Because people need it. Bless people. Quit stealing and get a job. So watch this. Lay aside line. If you're gonna be angry, there's okay with the righteous anger, but be careful, it'll turn into sin. Got it. Don't steal. Check. Now y'all wanna get ready for Thanksgiving? Y'all want, you want me to help you prepare for Thanksgiving? All right, you better buckle up. Here we go. Verse 29. You must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what's beneficial for building up one another, what's to build up the one in need, that it will be good grace to those, that you would give good grace, or you would give grace to those who hear. So here's, here's, here's the application this week. Guard your mouth when your psycho crazy family comes in to visit. And if you don't have any psycho family members, that's because you're the one. <laughs> Prepare you for the holidays. That's what we should have titled this message. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That could be foul language, profane language, worthless language, vulgar language, you know. And if you don't know, you need a real heavy dose of self-awareness. You know when it's unwholesome. You know when it's vulgar, when it's profane, when it's worthless. Paul said, don't let anything like that come out of your mouth. It only needs to be beneficial to build someone up, right? Because there's life or there's death in the words. You either build someone up or you tear them down. And come on, we say this all the time as parents. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. How many times have you heard that? So we speak life into them. You're gonna build them up or you're gonna tear them down. We're gonna speak grace. What if, what if this week, the only things that we allow to come out of our mouth was to build somebody up? And I'm not talking like fake build someone up. 
You know, I'm not talking like fake lie to them, like, <laughs> this turkey's the best I've ever had. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. That was not the spirit. That was not the spirit. I'm not talking about fake lying to somebody. I'm talking about really encouraging them and building them up. Like to speak blessings into their life. And when the thought comes, you're gonna tear them down, you just bite your tongue and you don't say that. You say, dear Holy Spirit, help me. And I'm not even talking about behind closed doors when you wanna go grab your husband or your wife and come back and say, listen, if your mom says this to me one more time, why didn't say it to the face, but you still said it? Because now you hurt yourself, you hurt them, and your relationship. What if, what if, this week we practice, we're not gonna let anything unwholesome come out of our mouth, no profanity, nothing vulgar, no dirty jokes, no words that tear nobody down. The thought may have come, but you controlled it, because you can, because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And what about this Thanksgiving season where we're really thankful and we actually spoke that over people? What would your family look like? What would your relationships look like? For some of you, listen to me, sir. Let me see married couples. Quick marriage tip right here. Sir, if you would st start building your wife up and start tearing her down, it could change your whole marriage. Ladies, you start building your man up, he'll start living out what you speak into his life. Listen, go around the house going, honey, you the man. You the man. You look so good, man. You the man. He'd be like, I'm the man. I'm the man. He'd start walking on the man. You got any chores you want me to do? You got anything I can do for you, honey? I'm the man. That's all you do, lay on the couch, you lazy son of a gun. You don't do anything around this house. Pick up your dirty underwear. Can't believe your mama teach you any better than that. You're laughing because that's what you say to him. I know y'all ladies. Listen, what I'm trying to say is, what if we were people who said, you know what, I'm gonna build you up. I now believe you can fit in your high school jeans. Go put them on. I think you can do it. I know you can. In fact, I'm gonna watch you do it. What if we started building people up? You're beautiful. I love you. I can't believe I'm married to you. I believe in you. I just want you to know, I thank you so much for what you do for our family. People don't notice, and you're underappreciated. If it wasn't for you, honey, we wouldn't have what we have. We couldn't do what we do. I just wanna say, listen, this Thanksgiving, I'm gonna be thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for you. There's your marriage tip one-on-one. I'm trusting me, bro, it will be good for you. So with that, verse 30, we finally arrived to the context, right? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So how you live with your lying, your selfishness, you're stealing your words. Watch this. Grieves the Holy Spirit. So when you speak those negative words, and you're gonna be tempted to do that probably today, I want you to be reminded for what I'm about to say is gonna cause the Holy Spirit who saved me from hell, sealed me and guaranteed me heaven, is gonna grieve over this. Would you say it? I put this in context a lot of times for students. Sometimes I talk to them, I said, if God came down and Jesus says, listen, I'm gonna walk with you everywhere you go, 
I'm gonna go through everything you go through in life and I'm just gonna hang with you today. How would your life change? You probably would avoid some of your friends or when some of your friends came to you, you'd be like, got Jesus with me today, man. We can't go, we can't watch that. We can't play that, can't say that. I can't listen to that. Why, I got Jesus with me, man. Listen to me, he's with you. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So, verse 31. Oh, I lied, you ain't gonna get out here in time. Verse 31, real quick. You must put away all bitterness, all anger, all wrath, all quarreling, all slanderous talks, and any malice. I don't really have to break those down. Bitterness is this smoldering resentment, unwilling to forgive with this harsh feelings. If you find somebody's really, really bitter, it's because they've been hurt and they never forgave the person. And a lot of times you might find an elderly person who's really mad, they're really bitter. Like, man, they're so mean, why are they so mean? It's because they were hurt and they never forgave. Don't let, it be, don't let bitterness overrun your life. Don't be angry. Hostility, we know that anger is a secondary emotion. Anger guards you from being hurt again, that's why you get mad because you don't wanna be hurt again, so you get mad and you get angry. And so it's a secondary emotion to protect you. And you have the right, and you say, well, I'm just mad, I just, I got a temper, and I just blow up, and my daddy had a temper, my grandpa had a temper, well, guess what? You got the Holy Spirit. Practice self-control, bro. Well, you make me, no one can make you nothing. Why well, I wouldn't say it if you didn't say it. You still have the power to not say it. Man, you didn't know I was gonna get to marriage stuff this morning. Wrath, burst of anger, violent, passion, temper tantrums. Quarreling, this is gonna hit all of us. This is loud cries of anger, bickering, and shouting down your opponents. Why do you think if you could get louder than the other person, you'd shut them down? You get louder and you get louder and you scream, yo, 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 and you shout, shout. And the Bible says it's a gentle word that brings peace. So when I'm bitter, angry, wrath, shouting down, quarreling, slandering, which is insulting language, abusive speech, you're tearing somebody down behind their back, we slander them, we cut them down. Malice, this is a big one. Most people don't talk about this word. This is an old, term, old school fancy word. Nobody says malice, but a lot of people practice malice. Here's what, what malice means. Wishing evil on someone else in spite or meanness. I like to put it this way. Secretly celebrating something bad happening to someone else. And when something bad happens, they didn't get the job, they didn't get the promotion, they didn't get the reward, their kid didn't or whatever. You're like, <laughs> deserves them right. That's malice. And when we do this, we grieve the one who saved us and sealed us. I don't believe any of us here want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And one of the big, big things around grieving the Holy Spirit is what comes out of our mouth. So what if we were a people who prayed like David prayed in the Psalms, God, Guard my lips, guard my heart, guard my mouth. What would we look like? What would our families look like, our marriage look like, our workplace look like? What would our church look like? 
So in closing, verse 32, he says, instead, so you don't grieve the Holy Spirit, so instead, here's how not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving, just as in Christ also forgave you. To be kind means to be unselfish. You're concerned about somebody else's welfare. It's the desire to be helpful even when it costs you something personally. That's kindness. Costs you your time, costs you your money, costs you energy, but I'm gonna be kind. Compassionate, sympathetic, affectionate, tenderhearted. It's the willingness to bear someone else's burden. It's what the family does, it's what the church family does with each other. How do we bear each other's burden? And then forgiving. That's to pardon someone for their offenses, to look past their wrongdoings to you, and you harbor no retaliation. And that's probably the hardest one, but I'm gonna be honest with you. It's the unforgiving spirit that you hold that will lead to anger, wrath, rage, slander, malice, and bitterness because you won't forgive. And some of you are holding on to a hurt and a pain of someone who's gonna show up this week at your house or you're gonna show up their week at this house and you're gonna see each other. Could be your ex-spouse. Could be your sister-in-law. It could be Uncle Johnny's new girlfriend, the fifth one this year he's brought to the house. And you're gonna see somebody and something's gonna come up. And that's a warning sign to you. Listen to me. That's a sign to you, you've not dealt with your pain and with your hurt. You'll never forgive and forget. In fact, let me go and be honest with you, you'll probably never forget, especially if it's a deep scar. But you can forgive. And forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. But I don't want to. Go back to verse 32. Just as Christ forgave you of all your sin and everything you did wrong. So we should forgive those who hurt us and wrong us. And then, don't have time, I'm not gonna go through it. But if you flip over to chapter five and verse one, look what he says, therefore. Therefore what? You've been saved, walked in a new person, take off the old, put on the new, quit lying, quit stealing, quit malice, anger, bitterness, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, kindness, compassion, therefore, be imitators of God. Imitate God. There's your homework assignment this week. Go imitate God. Go imitate Jesus and his compassion, his love. And in verse two, and live in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. I'm gonna ask people just to bow your heads. As we finish this series on the Holy Spirit, some of you, some of us, this is the first time we really understood and unpacked what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And if that could be a check in our heart and our mind, a litmus test, that what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, no, is gonna be grief to the one who saved me, sorrow. 
that would lead you not wanting to do that. And hopefully with that self-control through the Holy Spirit, you would be able to bite your tongue and what was gonna turn into cursing now turns into blessing. What turned into death now can turn to life. What was about to tear down is something now you could build up. So let's speak life to each other. And maybe the reason you cannot do that is because maybe you're like the Gentile. You're far from God. Your heart is hardened. Your mind is darkened and you're blinded. But today, but today, the Holy Spirit of God has removed the scales and you see Him and something's going on within you and you are now desiring to want to know this Jesus. I just wanna tell you that's Jesus. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. So would you give your life to Jesus today by crying out to Him? All you need to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, today I repent of my sin and I put all my faith and trust in you. Now help me follow you, live worthy of the calling that you just called me for the rest of my life. If that's you and you just prayed that, host or your campus pastors wanna come out just in a moment. They're gonna share with you your next step. We're all about taking next steps here and we wanna help you take yours. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how relevant it is. God, I know this week we're about to hang out with family and friends and there's gonna be all kinds of different emotions from sadness to maybe anger. But you already know this. So Father, we're already going to give you this entire week. <laughs> we give you our heart, our thoughts, our mind, our soul, our spirit. We, we ask you to guard our hearts, to guard our lips. That we will be a people who speaks blessings, not cursing. That we speak life, not death. I pray this Thanksgiving that we're super grateful, thankful for your son, Jesus. And it's only through his power and through his spirit that we are even able to be able to walk in the spirit and not grieve the spirit. For it's in his name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Man, if you love that message, man, if you felt led to take a next step, Man, we love to take next steps here, and we just want to connect with you. And you can let us know by going to betterlife.church slash next steps. Like I said, man, we just want to connect with you. We want to help you, and we just want to love on you. Man, another next step that you can do, man, if you love what God is doing here at Better Life Church, and you want to just support what He is doing, you can go to betterlife.church slash give, and you can give there. Man, thank you so much for what you're doing, and we cannot wait to see you here next week.